Good morning. This is DC Signal to Noise. Uh, let's start with one of those headline items there, and that is that EPA has issued the emergency action that is required to allow summer E15 sales. Uh, this goes back to the announcement that President Biden made when he was in Iowa. No surprise that it's made that it's being made, but at least it, it's done. Yeah, and it's also effective May one, so so you know, I think that made sense because then th there won't be any stoppage, if you will. So you they won't have to right. turn it on, shut it off, uh, uh, et cetera. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know that was just common sense. Yeah. Now, from a policy point of view, I think that this has got some PR to it, some public relations to it that I think is is going to help the ethanol industry. It's going to be available where it is available less than 2% of the stations out there, the unleaded 88 or E15 is going to be carrying a lower price. So I think it's it's going to gain some, some ground there from a promotional standpoint. From a market input impact standpoint, we've talked about this before, there just isn't much of an impact. We're not talking about that much corn uh, coming off the market to make more ethanol to, to satisfy the demand for E15. No, no, but it still sends a signal that the the infrastructure should be built out to allow yeah. more states to, you know, to do that, and it it will serve as encouragement for Midwest states to approve their on their own, you know, uh, year round uh, E15, which some of them have already done, and because that, if I was them, I would not wait on the federal government to do it. Right, right, okay. So there are eight states, eight Midwest states that the governors have come together and decided that they're going to continue to push it through. And Jim, on Friday's free-for-all on AgriTalk, I think you made an excellent point. Those governors are going to EPA as they are writing the rules and regulations on it to make sure that they get it as right as they possibly can. Yeah, and that shows intent from, you know, because EPA tried this once before, remember? Yeah. They just wrote it the wrong way right. in, in the Trump administration. So they did, you know, you know, they learned some legalese. So, yeah, I think that's a, a you know, very good step. And talking about uh, Administrator Regan, uh, he was uh, uh, at the appropriation hearings on Friday. But frankly, I mean, he said some things, Chip, but he revealed more in your interview with him on AgriTalk. And uh, yeah. I talked to a lot of farmers uh, the last few days here, and they really thought there were some nuggets in that uh, uh, in that interview that if they follow through on uh, being a robust uh, you know, mandate for 2022 for ethanol, uh, some good news on the WOTUS front, even though the yeah. Supreme Court has a pending decision on that. Uh, Regan amplified on uh, that on Friday by saying, well, they'll be in better position to deal with any Supreme Court ruling once they have their you know, plan in place. And he also said that the farmers would continue to have the exemptions they had uh, prior to what, 2005. So there was 2015. 2015. Yeah. And so he was a pretty good defender of, of you know, the uh, 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 ethanol side. Plus, he said it'll be a key component in the in the uh, in in uh, in the climate policy in the years ahead. So, I, I you know, I just let's hope they follow through. Yeah, it, there you go. There you go, Jim, because there's been many. There are a few examples. I shouldn't say many. There are a few examples 
from the administration in which there have been announcements and very little follow through or very slow follow through. Uh, in yeah. this case, with with uh, Administrator Reagan and EPA, they've got there there are deadlines that are set by the courts. Now, yeah. uh, if if they decide to ignore the June third deadline, for example, they better have good reason, or or the courts are going to come after them. So, yeah. courts on both sides, we've seen this is a litigation yeah. topic that both opponents and proponents, and you saw Growth Energy filed a case Friday, I believe, on some aspects of the uh, RFS. So that, that is so typical. But at least we have some lay of the land from uh, EPA right now. And he also right. said clear Friday that he works very closely with Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. And that that's a good thing, I think, because then he gets the agribusiness perspective on that. Right. Right. Yeah. He said a lot of things that the biofuels industry should like in that interview that we had with him last week on Wednesday. Um, and and if they follow through, if they follow through with what he said, and that's the thing, Jim, now that we've had the interview, now that we've got this testimony, we've got items that we can hold them accountable for. Yes, absolutely. We have place yeah. markers, as we say. Right. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All through Okay, there is a comments button on your screen someplace. If you would like to participate in the conversation, click on that. A dialogue box will come up. Good morning, Melody. It's good to see you again. And Chris has got this question. What about hemp fuel? Hmm. I haven't heard anything on it in a long time. No, but we, well, it took a while just to get canola as, as a, 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 yes. a uh, authorized fuel. So, you know, never say never, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll look into it, but it does take time to go through the process. I'll tell you that it's called government. Right. Right. Um, it, there was, uh, some reference last week again to the idea that there's going to be a food versus fuel debate conversation that's going to take place around vegetable oils and the renewable diesel Indonesia shut down exports of palm oil, uh, Jim, at some point, the conversation is going to be aired out. Oh, oh, it is. And recall some of these uh, comments that EPA asked for in some of these rules was rel you know, relative to biodiesel, uh, uh, renewable diesel. And Regan the said they got a lot of comments. Yes. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is not going to go away. And if these food prices are going to continue to rise, which I really think that they will, not only here, but around the world, this is going to be a very big topic. And if you have, especially again, Chip, if you have a corn and or soybean yield that's under the trend line yield, uh, which at least history would suggest that may be the case for corn too early for soybeans. I'm telling you the pressure. I Again, I've been here 50 years and the pressure at the White House to do things when food prices and gas prices get out of hand from their perspective, especially going into uh, elections. Yeah, uh, They'll try some odd things sometimes. And we saw that last week relative okay. to concern about 2023 plantings. Okay, let's get into that. This is part of a $33 billion uh, funding request from the White House to provide aid to Ukraine, but this one includes a, a detour, I, I guess I would call it, to 
um, to offset some of the food scare issues or food shortages out there. And that is through a combination of crop insurance and uh, uh, oh, uh, the, the higher loan rates. Higher loan uh, rates, cropping incentives. Yeah, and double cropping incentives to increase production of wheat and oil seeds. Jim, read the room. Well, I, I just, the it's curious because farmers and crop insurance agents, the first questions they were asking me the last few days is, did USDA have any role in this? Right. Because I cannot imagine. That's an interesting sidebar to this, Chip, because I'm not quite, the uh, people I've talked with at USDA, they seem pained to defend it, which tells me this smacks of me of coming out of either the and both the National Economic Council and Office of Management and Budget, because they're looking at the optics of this, that they thought that they should do something not to the agribusiness sector, to the consumer. Uh, so I think that was probably the case, but it, it landed flat. Yeah. Uh, and that, I, I just cannot imagine USDA analysts taking a hold of this before because uh, the first email I got from a farmer was a higher a much higher loan rate does not bring rain to 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 Colorado you know yeah. uh, other other emails came in saying do, do they not recall the World Trade Organization problem that the US cotton industry had with Brazil and there would be charges plus uh, Haney told us on Agritalk Canada would could file a complaint relative to the dramatic increase in the wheat loan rate. <laughs> and then sorghum or Milo, I call it Milo growers, emailed me and, say, and said, well, if they're going to incentivize double cropping, what about sorghum? That, that's a double crop in, in certain states. And so they didn't even consider it. So that tells me that it was mainly lack of really innate agriculture people do, you know, doing this plan. Jim, uh, it, it would require approval by the House and the Senate. I would put low odd, odds on it, wouldn't you? Yes, because it'll get into a, a across-the-board scale of upping loan rates. And I just don't think they'll say this is what a farm bill is about, you know, plus a loan. It's, you know, I understand it's a liquidity thing, but just common sense, Chip. What, what, what soybean? Six fifty, sixteen fifty, seventeen. Dollars cash. Well, on 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 the new crop, it's over fifteen bucks. Yeah, and eight sixty two loan rate. What what you know, what what don't you understand about this? You you sell you sell you don't. This loan has to be repaid unless prices crashed, and then you for you know you forgo that loan, and then you dump it to the government. But that's silly in and of itself. So I, I just I would everybody in ag. They they were perplexed at this one. What are they trying? <laughs> you should have heard me. I don't know if you heard me on the air or not when somebody from OMB described it to me. I was as confused and as stumbling <laughs> in my speech as I think I've ever been. Yeah, it was. I uh, I, uh, I don't know what we're doing. Why are yeah. we doing this? And so, you wonder, how did they come up with the, like, I know a percentage basis, but 862, you know, and what, 552 or eight, you know, whatever the numbers were, that implies specificity. 
you know, and uh, boy, Biden couldn't say that word. Uh, and it just is not there. It's just one of these odd things that they hope will float away, Chip. But yeah. but that morphs us into the farm bill. Uh, note that I never say the 2023 farm bill, the next farm bill. Now, we had the right. first field hearing in the Senate uh, Friday in Michigan. The next one will be in Arkansas for the ranking member. And I always like field hearings because I hear from real grassroots people. And at the first one in Michigan, they heard uh, more, uh, they need accelerated uh, delivery of farm programs. And I think that's that's an understatement. Uh, and conservation was a big topic, as it would be in Michigan. Uh, they needed even more money and accelerated approvals of, you know, some of the signups. So, you know, that's going to be one of the topics in the farm bill debate. I, I used to say we'll have an evolutionary, not a revolutionary farm bill, but now I'm saying with two exceptions, conservation and climate. I think the climate will be in each title of the new farm bill whenever yep. it is written, whenever it's written. So I, I'm already ca you know, caveating on, on that well, one because I think somehow the Democrats are going to get through, <clears throat> sorry, the uh, cli some climate provisions before the November 8th elections. I really believe that. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I I keep asking the question and keep asking the question. And I've been getting the answers. Oh, it'll be revolutionary. Not much evolution to it. But I keep asking the question because of the climate uh, application. There's going to be a climate title in the farm bill. Jim, I, that's my belief. Yeah, yeah, because they can say, uh, well, yeah, we've had climate provisions. They can't say that it's a jurisdictional problem because right. we, we have some climate st energy stuff in in the in the last bill. So I, yeah. I or they could bring in different committees. So oh yeah, I just don't know whether or not we'll have a consensus, especially with November 8th elections, uh, if you do have a changeover, which is very high odds and growing in yeah. the House, it's still pretty close in the in the Senate. And so you want to get the lay of the land. And you know the House and Senate Ag Committee, they, they, they're they saying that there will still be a bill. But uh, it's going to take a while to get consensus after you have a change in leadership in the House. You know, and on that front, you saw former House Speaker Newt Gingrich over the weekend predict in the House anywhere from 25 to 70 seats, 70. Yeah. I, well, boy, you can drive a F-150 truck through that range. But, <laughs> but even if you split it in the middle, that would be a significant yeah. pickup. Now, my good friend at Cook Political Report, David Wasserman, is predicting a net gain of 25 seats. Uh, Republicans need a net gain of five. Now in the Senate, uh, Wasserman's predicting a 53 to 47 GOP takeover and Newt said four. So they're pretty close. A net yep. gain of four. And I'm saying in my current speeches to watch Arizona uh, and Nevada, both held by Democrats right now. The reason I say that is the Latino vote, Hispanic vote. That's in the, the last few surveys, they're running away from Biden and the Democrats. So that could be a key development, not only for 
uh, the November 8th elections, but for 2024. And I want to add one other thing, Chip. Wherever I go in my speeches now, I hear a consistent recommendation from people, whether they're Democrat or Republican. Manchin. want Joe Manchin to run for president. And they yeah. don't care what party. They don't care if it's independent. That well, guy could really score if he ran. Yeah, you said that you they are running from the liberal side, from the far left. They are running from the far right, and they're running right to West Virginia is yeah, what they they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. And so I don't know whether he would, but I'm telling you, he could get a lot of money. He's a practice. He would have the allure uh, that Bernie Sanders had, but for centrist reasons. Yeah. So there is a game changer if okay. he would go. Okay. At the hearing last week, this is from, a, well, I should say, good morning, Carl. Hi, Rhonda. I hope we answered your question on the $500 million for farmers. Uh, Gary, talking to ag groups, was at the UDIM meeting uh, last week, talked to Farm Bureau groups, even state of Michigan representatives. Why is Staben now supporting Prop 12? Says most are like deer in the headlights. Surprising this is flying under the radar. But I did call her off. Thanks for the tip last week. Yeah. Yeah. She is? She is supporting Prop 12. Absolutely. She's supporting the California initiative. And we said it on air, Chip. That's why I said that caught my ear. Maybe I, I must have been looking at the next question or something because it would have got my attention. We did it. Yeah. She. She's, uh, uh, we'll have to ask Vilsack that too, whether or not right. he supports it. But I think she is such a supporter. To answer your 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 question, she is such a supporter of the Democratic policy plank, and I yeah. think uh, that's California is 101 on the Democratic Party. So that's probably the reason why. But it gets into also to be fair to the U.S. senator, uh, she is very. Uh, uh, aggressive in the environmental area and and uh, the uh, food uh, animal rights area. So it's probably some of those reasons, but we'll, yeah. we'll try to get a statement uh, from her, uh, from her or her staff, as far right. as the, the uh, talking points that she would give for that. But, you know, we've discussed this before. If that were to go through, if the Supreme Court does not rule that unconstitutional, that is the template for aggressive strident uh, yeah. uh, farm groups to come at, uh, you know, different sectors in agriculture. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Uh, Tanner, it's good to hear from you again as well. What did world production numbers do following 2013 and 14 versus 2012? Uh, it, it, this is the reason that the cure for high prices is high prices. You destroy enough demand and you encourage enough production around the world that all of a sudden your supply is far out in front of your demand again. It's a great point. Doesn't Brazil have the ability to greatly expand their total production acreage? We seem to have come out of 2012 quickly and yields nationally were over 50 bushel on the national average less than uh, 2021. Yeah, we recovered a hurry. Uh, when we get into production shortfalls. Yeah, but the thing where it could have some lingering a while 
why we'll probably go into the 23 season, Chip, I think you would agree with this, is we'll have we'll have uh, relatively firm prices for a while, in my judgment. That doesn't mean all the way up. Uh, because of the Ukraine situation, yep. uh, the pariah called Putin they, they're targeting uh, the Ukrainian ag sector, uh, the ports, uh, and they're having fuel problems in, uh, as well in Ukraine. So th this is why I think the White House plan was trying to get uh, more wheat uh, you know, seeded here for 2023 crop to make up, what did they say, 50% of the downturn, of the projected downturn in uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, fewer Ukrainian wheat uh, exports. And yeah. you're seeing the soy oil situation, the vegetable oil uh, take off. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So we could be in several years here of uh, relatively firm, you know, uh, ag prices yeah. across the board, across the board. What's in the animal sector? You've got, watch up, animal numbers are going down. So pointed lower. I yeah, and I think uh, they're they're going to have another big rally later this year. Am I just looking at the numbers? Okay, uh, Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas joined us on Friday in the free for all gym. Talked about the U.S. aid. He's out here with us now too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, tell him hi. Tell him thank you for coming on. We appreciate that. Um, the uh, sorry about that. I must have moved my screen. Good grief. Um, but the U.S. aid that is going to be flowing, it, there are some stump, there are some uh, hurdles to clear as far as shipping that aid out. But the U.S. appears very committed to providing wheat, wheat flour in particular, to those countries that are in need because of the the slowdown in supplies. Yeah, he said a little nugget in answer to your question, where he said, "Yeah, this will help red wheat." He said, yep. and. Sorghum, sorghum. So, and I looked at the cash price late last week, and it was firming up. And and now over the weekend, uh, uh, the Ukrainian leader asked for more humanitarian aid, and the U.S. definitely is going to give it to them. So we're going to see a shot in the arm from a either tighter basis or a, uh, a cash price run up in a number of these food donation commodities. So uh, that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, the cattle hearings from last week. A, a lot of conversation again. I don't know if anybody's opinion on the Cattle Market Price Discovery and Transparency Act was swayed one way or the other, or if the Packers came out of the, the House hearing looking any better or worse than they looked going in. Yeah, it, it yeah, I think you're right. It changed no positions, but I always yeah. like when they air out issues and this yeah. was under oath and that showed you the significance of the tenor of of, of that topic uh in the uh, uh in in both chambers. Uh you know, I'm toward I have sources telling me that they think some way some version of the Fisher-Grassley bill could still make it through. And when I said, what do you mean by some version? And then they followed up by, by telling me, well, maybe less flexibility on the part of the Ag Secretary on the percentage side, Chip. So we could see a movement towards that way to kind of water it down. 
but e either way, the, 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 what there is consensus on in the ag community is that I think all cattle producers want more transparency. How do yeah. you get it? How do you get it? And there's uh, deep uh, established marketing patterns through packers uh, you know, negotiated, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, marketing arrangements, et cetera, uh, that the uh, research studies from the land grant universities clearly point to watch out uh, if you're going to do some of these things, because there could be significant negative implications for some states. as On the cost. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Over the weekend, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi went to Kiev. Yes. A delegation she took over. I think they were all Democrats. Uh, but she wanted to give the message, and that was clear, that the U.S. stands behind Ukraine and will continue to stand, which says to me, Chip, this is Russia's uh, latest Afghanistan. It's yeah. going to take a while. And uh, right. so... He should know that. So, but that sent a clear message. And, you know, Biden really wanted to do what she did, but his handlers, if you will, would not let him. Uh, that's the word in D.C., that he wanted to go over there to show, again, what the signal that she was the highest ranking U.S. official to be over there. Because she, she's third in line, right, for the president. Right. Uh, and, and that did that. That sent the signal that uh, we're, this is just not a one a one one stop shop here. That this will continue, and that's when okay. uh, the, their leader asked for more military and humanitarian aid, and they're going to get it. Okay. All right. Let's take a look at the week ahead. The House is out. The Senate is working this week, uh, but I want to go to the Fed because uh, we're going to get their decision on Wednesday about interest rates. Yes, and why it's already built into prices, a 50 cent, a 50 basis point hike in the interest rates. But uh, the Fed chairman, Jerome J. Powell, is is going to have a presser, we call it a press event. And uh, you're going to see what happens next, what signals that he gives. And then he, I know he's going to be asked, what impact, if any, does this downturn in gross domestic product uh, minus 1.4 percent? Uh, for the first quarter in the U.S., will that yeah. slow down? Uh, will, will they not increase in June where they probably would have done before? So we're going to have to listen to that. And I think some downturn was expected because we came off of what? The fourth quarter was 6.9% increase. So a combination of uh, fewer exports and less uh, uh, inventory, uh, you know, inventory drawdown, actually, uh, so we'll have to see. So uh, that that the press event is, is the big uh, element there. So we'll we'll know hopefully a lot more you know uh, you right. know Wednesday on on that one. And then we also have two big speakers this week. Uh, U.S. Trade Rep. Catherine Tai is going to give an address somewhere, and uh, the, the uh, you know Treasury uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. So we have some. Pretty big speakers on on the uh, on the agenda this week, including Powell. Very good, very good. Uh, Whip Plus, what's the latest? The latest is I think Vilsack has clearly been signaling to us on AgriTalk and other programs 
that uh, the the structure. He it says the keywords the new structure for WIP Plus. They're going to rename it. I, I can't. I, I don't know what the full name is right now, but they're going to rename it. That's just what you know, parties do. But it's going to be in two phases, similar to the cattle industry. And they can get this thing going pretty good from existing records like they did for cattle, Chip. I know I get a lot of emails. When will the payments be made? And that's I'm going to wait until he says it. I don't think uh, I think for the first phase, it could come pretty quick. Because uh, I don't think they'll even have to sign up for that, Chip. But finally, yeah. it's coming. This is May. So I, I think uh, it could be as soon as this week. But again, that's one of the most popular email questions on a topic that that I get. And I can see it here in uh, at the crop insurance meetings I, I attended. Okay. While I am scrolling down through my long list of notes, and I think we've touched most of what uh, the only thing what real brief, the financial times had a story that said china was meeting with uh, the, their domestic and international bankers to go over a plan to deal with if the us and western allies would do sanctions on them similar to what we're doing with russia that caught my eye uh, because that they're setting up their strategy chip if they were to do something with Taiwan either late this year or right. sometime 2023. So that's one to watch out for. But, uh, you know, because they're already gearing up on, on, on their strategy. Other than that, that's uh, uh, EPA did send the proposed uh, mandates on the RFS over to OMB, so I think they will be announced prior to the court uh, ruling June June the 3rd. So well, that was the only other thing that I think. Uh, uh, I'm hearing a lot of talk at this meeting, 9 or $10 corn, but uh, boy, these, these levels are pretty, pretty good right now. And the beauty of the crop insurance program, which I highly, highly favor, is now you're getting into price areas where if you bid up, your coverage area, say to even 95%. I had a number of crop insurance agents step me through how a combination of selling will actually pay for that bidding up right now. And I love when oh. you use a combination of crop insurance uh, on the revenue insurance and elements of paying for the, that, you know, step up. So those are the smart individuals who who do that, and and our crop insurance agents are a lot like farmers agronomists. They're well respected Jim, and they're trustworthy. Jim, uh, Jared Creed, JC Marketing, and I had that conversation on Wednesday afternoons AgriTalk hmm. about all the things that you need to think about regarding your crop insurance because we're in a situation right now that we have never been in where the the revenue potential and is so much above the guaranteed revenue at the t before the seed goes in the ground because we had similar situation in 2019 but the rally came late we had a si similar yep. situation in 2013 but the rally came late after planting so there was yep. all kinds of incentive to take prevent plant rather then pull the planter across the field. This year, all the incentive is on pulling that planter across the field. 
Yeah, except in areas that was made clear to me last night at a reception, Northeast South Dakota. You talk yeah. about going from a drought to too wet, there's going to be more than a few acres of prevent plant there. It is That's that right. bad. So it's just the bewildering weather we have. But bottom line, the, the more mature uh, agents who are also farmers uh, told me they're they're discussing the strategies, if you will, crop insurance marketing. Okay, yeah, uh, through their siblings and and uh, they're, they're understanding it. So this it's called risk management. It's yes. called risk management, and there is the superb uh, uh, positives of the of the of the crop insurance program. It's working. And I'm hearing this at the SEPA meeting, and this is one of the better meetings I attend each year. Good, good, good. Well, have fun down there in Kansas City, Jim, all right? Okay. Uh, this, this morning on AgriTalk, we got machinery, Pete. We'll get a long-term outlook for the cattle industry. Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University has some really interesting perspectives on how the beef cow herd is changing. Jim, travel safe. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Thank you.